Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Jay Fremont, author of the debut novel, Magician of Light. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's great to be having this conversation. Absolutely. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, Magician of Light, yet, how would you describe the novel? Okay, so Magician of Light is a gothic romance about glassmaker René Lalique, the mysterious Englishwoman he falls in love with and their haunting encounters. Um, the story starts in Paris with young Lalique in his apprenticeship to renowned jeweler Louis Acock. But after a while, Lalique is feeling stifled in his conventional schooling and apprenticeship, so he leaves Paris to study at the Crystal Palace outside of uh, London. Um, there he is introduced to Lucinda Halliburton and her dysfunctional family. Um, when they meet, uh, Lucinda has returned from a disastrous trip to an archaeological dig in Egypt sponsored by her grandfather, the Baron. Uh, and with a history of mental illness that runs in the family, she now believes that she's being preyed upon by ancient Egyptian spirits. Um, Rene is, is drawn into her eerie situation, and while he is enchanted with the beautiful but strange Miss Halliburton, um, he's unsure of what's going on. Is it imagination, insanity, or real ghostly encounters? Uh, so my plot turns on their twisting fates while shedding light on the dark side of uh, Lalique's personal life. There's a lot of genuine historical detail. That's great. And I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write Magician of Light? Yeah, actually. So while I was creating short stories on my blog and writing and researching for a novel about ancient Egypt, I had a dream about meeting a man in a chair behind a counter. Uh, he was talking to me, but, you know, and smiling, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. So, you know, when I woke up, I was, I, I was like, who is this? I, I don't know who this person is. But then he appeared to me again in a dream three months later and told me I am to promote him. <laughs> And then again, six weeks later, and I was like, who is this guy and why is he haunting me? Um, and then fast forward another 18 months after the initial dream, um, I stumbled across Lalique's picture on the Internet. Part, part of the ancient Egyptian story involves glass making, and so I wanted to kind of look into that more. and. It was weird because it was exactly, that picture was exactly how I saw him in the first dream. And obviously, I knew that he would be part of my novel. And <laughs> ultimately, he became the story as I delved into his personal life and came to know him. And what kind of research did you do about Rene Lalique? And um, can you tell us, for those listeners who may not be familiar with his um, career as both an artist and jewelry maker and glassmaker? Oh, sure. Um, so, yeah, research, any historical fiction writer serious about their craft knows that the writing entails a considerable amount of research. And 
Um, it would be an understatement to say that Rene Lalique was a busy and productive artist. I mean, he when I started to find out about him, I was like, wow, he had so many remarkable accomplishments and events that it was really difficult to choose, you know, what to include in my novel. Um, so I bought several books and uh, gained insight into specific people that influenced his early life and work and rise to fame, such as Louis Cox, Sarah Bernhardt, uh, Kalus Gubekian, who was the a billionaire <laughs> in the early 1900s, so you can imagine, <laughs> very wow. wealthy. And and Francois Coty, I'm sure people have heard of him. He's the, you know, you, you think of makeup, but he actually started as a, perfumer in the in the early you know uh, well actually late 1800 um so i i did discover a book of lalique's correspondences um when he was mainly when he was a jeweler before he was actually a glassmaker um that were mostly business but they there was a few personal letters to his mother and wife elise um but it was written in French, and there was no available translation in English. So, uh, unless you count Duolingo, I don't know much French. Uh, so, I spent a lot of time typing into Google Translate, and um, you know, besides those, I there was other articles, uh, blogs, and uh, uh, lengthy doctoral thesis and uh, about him. So he. He really had, I mean, he was a jeweler. He was renowned as a jeweler and a glassmaker. So he had two careers, not just one. I mean, it was amazing. Well, and I'm curious about, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious about the craft. I mean, it's not really about writing, but I'm curious about the craft of, of glass making. I mean, like I glanced at some of the articles about him online and they were showing, um, some of the the glass ornaments how, how did they how did they do that i mean are they making a mold yeah um, he, exactly he he really the thing that was incredible about him is that he was he started using glass in his jewelry and i mean as a jeweler he used different gems like he he wasn't doing what traditional you know like diamonds and rubies and emeralds i mean he mm -hmm. started to use his uh, like he made miniature paintings. It was so incredible with this. He started out with enamel. So, you know, which is actually a form of, of glass, right? Enamel is, you know, you make little, uh, he, he did, did plicajure. I don't know if you've heard of that, but when he'd make dragonfly wings, it's putting the enamel into a little wow. metal framework. And then actually it's one of the hardest ones because after they get the glass in there and they fire it, and I mean, it's firing, firing, fire. It's like, it's so time consuming, but the, um, they take acid and etch away the metal backing. So now you have this, it's like a network. So it's like stained glass, but you know, he was doing this on brooches. So you're just like, oh, how did you, you know, so small. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, he, the, the glass, he started with that, with his jewelry. He started using uh, Pat de Verre, which is a 
a paste, like a glass paste. And mm-hmm. then as he moved on to larger pieces, like the perfume bottles, he would do molds. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Sir Perdue, it, but they make a... Um, they make a sculpture or a piece in wax, and then they bu- they build plaster around it. Got and it. what what happens then is then they pour the glass into it. It melts the wax, and then you get the the sculpture. You know because the plaster has been built around right. it, and yeah. and then they and so that's what mostly the, with his vases and you know his other stuff. He that's what he would do. He did these molds, but then he really worked the glass after it. You know, I mean, he ended up having a, his glass factory. There was like 300 people. Um, he did a little bit of glass blowing, but it was mostly the molds that he worked right. with. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Got it. So what was your own writing journey that led you to writing and getting your debut novel published? (laughs) Well, my writing journey didn't start until later in life, Uh, but I spent a lot of my childhood with my nose in a book. Um, at, at 10 years old, I knew I was going to be a vet. And so, of course, I read James Harry and all creatures great and small <laughs> and all things wise and wonderful, right? But, um, you know, by the time I got to high school, I was kind of a nerdy bookworm. So I I'd read a lot of classics, Dickens, Dostoevsky. Um, and, but then, of course, once I got into vet school, you know, I wasn't reading anything but textbooks. Right. But, um, then I graduated, moved to California, found the love of my life, got married, had a couple of kids, you know, life. Um, 
And then, but so between raising my kids, practicing vet medicine, and then I also taught as an adjunct professor at a local community college and university, there just wasn't a lot of extra me time, you know, reading or writing. So I really started writing stories when my kids were older and not hanging out with me anymore. Um, But I have to say, I've always been a storyteller at heart, you know, like telling stories to clients and students like, you know, this is what happened when, uh, you know, the owner didn't do this. They took the e-collar off and then, you know, or success stories like we did this surgery and then Fluffy went on to live another six years, you know. I recall there was one time in my surgical nursing class and I was explaining how important anesthetic monitoring was and and telling my stories, you know, students, uh, my students' stories about certain cases. And I used the phrase, uh, remember, you're taking your patient to the precipice of death. (laughs) And years later, um, a tech, one of my former students, she joined the practice and she said that line really impressed her. So I guess that was the beginning of my literary career. <laughs> well, well uh, and then, and then once you, are you still practicing um, veterinary medicine? Or no, I, I've been retired for this few years now. Mm-hmm. I, I did it for 25 years and that was long enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I enjoyed well, it. I love surgery. really love surgery. That's great. Well, what was your writing process when you were working on Magician of Light? Since you were doing all of this research, did you do an extensive outline before you started writing? Yeah, actually, I do make a lot of outlines and, and you know, I thought about a lot about the plot and, and jot ideas down before the I started the actual writing. But the funny thing is, is that um, when I start, whenever I start a story or, you know, it, it kind of takes on a life of its own and it starts to lead me instead of me leading it. It's like I'm following a path and I always don't, you know, I don't know where I'm going sometimes. And and it's funny because a story doesn't always end up the way I thought it would initially. I mean, like I said, I was writing this novel about ancient Egypt and then all of a sudden Lalique's inserted in and <laughs> <laughs> you know so it, it's like life it's an adventure <laughs> sure well are you working on another novel now um yeah actually um I I have that I broke the what it what ended up happening was um I I after I um finished it it the first book the the magician life was actually over two hundred thousand words so and it was ancient Egypt it was like four storylines interwoven and so it was too complicated and you know my the, the publishers don't want you <laughs> it's too long of a book <laughs> so I actually ended up with um, two books and so I have this ancient Egyptian novel and I just have to work with my editor but I'm actually starting my next novel is going to be set in California in the old west but I don't really have too many details because it's in the nascent stage right now sure well what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels well I think the most important thing is first of all is write about what you know I mean, do your research and really think about your plot. Um, 
It was interesting because just recently I'd read a piece by a writer involved in the series, you know, Breaking Bad. I'm sure you know Breaking mm-hmm. Bad and, and their collective writing process. And um, what Vince Gilligan did was he encouraged the individual writers to suggest an idea. And then they, what they would do then is take that idea to its logical conclusion. So as a group, they discussed, you know, if that storyline detail would ultimately conform to the trajectory of the overall plot. And I guess I, guess I kind of do the same thing with, you know, my plot to a certain degree is, um, you know, does your idea make sense? Is it believable? Does it fit into the arc of the story? And, and especially for historical fiction people, you, you really have to have your details right. You know, you can't, you, you can't write that <laughs> in the 1870s and they had computers. I mean, you know, that's obviously, a, you know, exaggeration, but you, know, you, you have to figure out, um, you know, what, what did those people, how did those people live with that character say and do that type of thing? You know, it based on the social norms, you know, what their um, society, you know, where, what their status, societal status was, you know, that kind of thing. So that's great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Well, actually, right now I'm reading The Woman in the Green Dress by T. Cooper, but um, I, I'd i say in the last couple of months, I actually picked up Isabella Lindy's A House of Spirits and Daughter of Fortune um, because that, that Daughter of Fortune was a uh, book about the, kind of the Old West, and I wanted to get her, you know, see how she dealt with it. And it was funny because as I'm reading and I'm like, oh, yeah, I read about that, you know, because it's the same historical stuff you know what mm-hmm. i mean um yeah. but i and then i and then i read a, the auditorium which is a collection of stories short stories by melissa pritchard <laughs> and it was quite odd i was like oh this might be a little <laughs> too odd but but it was good um but you know i have to say i i spend a lot of my time reading nonfiction. you know like if if i'm gonna write about a stagecoach i got on i'm a weirdo i'm like i gotta know everything about stagecoaches you know (laughs) well where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novel magician of light they can find me at drjfremont.com and um i also am on instagram uh and my handles inside the egg Um, and but if they go to my website um they'll see that. The other thing that I did was for people who want to learn more about Lalique, I made a little, we made a little short video. It's like only a couple minutes long, but, but the, you know, if they really want to find out about Renee, they can go onto YouTube and there's a lot of videos, you know, and you can just see his amazing artwork. It's, it's, and learn about him, you know. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Jay Fremont, author of the debut novel, Magician of Light. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Jay, thanks for doing this interview. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate your interest, Jeff. Absolutely. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.